Terry Barrett, thank you for joining me today. He's our Builder Division Manager at Movement Mortgage. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. I think you're going to shed a lot of light on things that we do to serve the new construction community, our builders and developers, our real estate agents that specialize in new construction products. So thank you for making the time to join me today, Terry. Thanks, Jeff. Happy to be here. Awesome. And I love the backdrop. You're, are you in that house right now? <laughs> I am. Walker? I was, I was driving nails just moments ago. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, it definitely gives off the feel of us uh, having this conversation in a house that's being built. So I, I love it. I love the backdrop. Um, let's start out with just a state of the union of new construction. You have kind of a very unique perspective on the market because you're seeing things across state lines. You're not hyper local to any one market. Uh, you're on a plane a lot. You're traveling the country, meeting with different builders in different geographies, um, both sort of rural and suburban communities, as well as, you know, dense, highly populated areas where they have to go up instead of out. Um, you're seeing it all. You have a 30,000 foot overview of things. So help us to understand, like, what are some of the pain points that builders are facing today? There's a shift in the market. Um, what are you seeing? What are you hearing? What's the talk of the town? Sure. Sure. Well, you know, I think to, to frame everything, um, we are coming off two of the best years in new construction in history, right? Um, and while 2022 seems like it's a off year, it'll still probably end up in the top five of all time. So uh, it's all relative when it comes down to that. There is still an underlying shortage of homes. Uh, that number across the U.S. Is, is probably approaching 5 million homes. And so to overcome that imbalance, we're going to have to build our way out of it. And that's why um, we have realized the importance of partnering with uh, with folks building houses, with new home builders, with the, the new construction industry, because it's, um, it's going to definitely be a need and it's going to be something that continues to be strong, you know, over the next probably decade. Do you feel that the sentiment from the builder community, folks that you're dealing with day to day, are they very confident about the opportunities in the current marketplace? Is there any skittishness or um, is the market shift, the rise in interest rates uh, causing anyone pause? Uh, I know you're constantly evaluating how you're conducting business, but what, what are you seeing and hearing from the builders right now? Yeah, definitely. There have been a lot of buyers that have shifted to the sidelines, right? They're just kind of watching, probably keeping their finger on the pulse of what's available, watching prices, but not as actively uh, searching with the intent of purchasing right now. So, um, and, and I think rates are, are really the, um, the main culprit uh, in pushing those folks to the sidelines. Of course, inflation has taken a bite out of, uh, out of most people's disposable income and, and put a lot of people at, at a point where, you know, they're, they're thinking, well, maybe we should stay put. And, uh, I think I read that the average, average household, uh, has seen their bills go up by $450 a month. And, um, you know, that's, that's significant for, um, when you, when you think about the average, that includes a lot of people that aren't even in the home buying, um, um, space. And so right. we, um, 
we've certainly seen that. Uh, again, that being said, the underlying uh, lack of supply is still there. Um, one of the big pain points with most of the builders we're dealing with is still supply chain. Um, I was meeting with a builder this morning who's uh, cabinets, right? They, they have two cabinet suppliers, but one of their paint colors for the cabinets is all of a sudden unavailable, right? And it's, and it's one of the more popular colors. So you don't even think about the, the different supply pieces that come into um, the final supply. You know, you think either their cabinets available or they're not, but uh, we've got cabinets available in all but these three colors. And so, uh, you know, windows are still an issue. Um, um, we're seeing a lot with appliances and uh, HVAC components. And so, um, that trickles down to the customers. You know, people need to know when they're going to be able to take occupancy of their new home because they've got a plan on their departure residence and where their kids are going to be in school and movers and all those things that factor into it. And, and it's tough for builders to promise an absolute closing date, you know, much further than, than 90 days out these days. It seems like they, they've got to get to drywall before they can really even really even promise a, a closing date. And so that seems to be, you know, one of the things that a lot of our builders are struggling with. Right. And is it fair to say that because, you know, payday for the builder doesn't come until the buyer is closing on the property, right? And so these supply chain issues are translating to extended closings on the, on the homes and that means the builder oftentimes is carrying the float. Um, they're carrying the, the expense, the holding costs of that home are increasing week over month over, you know, year. Yep. Yep. Backlogs are growing. Backlogs are growing. Even though sales, you know, have slowed some, uh, there are still sales happening and closings are getting pushed and getting pushed. And so uh, to your point, their, their carry cost for their construction financing is, is a concern. Right. So if they haven't paid cash out of pocket because they were flush with cash reserves and chose to, to spend money out of their own account, if they are using uh, construction financing, they've got commercial financing to build their homes. Uh, they are carrying the interest expense over and over and over month, over month, over month. And it's eating into the margin that they had planned for profits coming out the other end. Yes. Yeah, ab absolutely. And it can constrain their ability to start new spec homes. You know, they have limits on their, their construction lines. And if, if the, the build times are increasing, then, um, then that's less availability of, of capital through those sources. In the worst of circumstances, if they're reaching, you know, the expiration of their commercial terms on their loans, are some of the builders that you know having to, you know, work through modifications and get, you know, sort of outside the box extensions done to give them some breathing room? Are they having to seek refinance of their construction finance um, just to try and kick the can? 
I've not heard of any of that yet. And I don't know that builders would be advertising if that's going on behind the scenes, but, uh, but I, I don't think we've reached that point like we did in, in 2008 where, um, uh, where, you know, even builders who were making their payments in a timely manner were having, were having, uh, their lines called. So, um, hopefully we'll never see those days again. <laughs> I want to, I want to latch onto that topic. You know, you brought up 2008. What can you tell me about the current situation and slowdown with housing and, you know, sales aren't happening nearly as, as frequently as they were, you know, six, nine months ago. Uh, what can you tell me about new construction and, and what we're seeing today versus what we experienced in 2008? Is this the same situation? Are we going to relive it? Uh, no, I don't think that kind of bubble is there. You know, that was, that was based on, uh, some in inflation by, you know, sketchy mortgage products that allowed people to buy more house than they could literally afford. And, uh, and that's what caused that collapse. Um, you know, we are starting to see, um, some, some pieces of the market that, that had been relatively absent second home buyers, investors, the whole new, um, build to rent. Um, is a, is essentially a new concept uh, as far as the the um, the widespread um, aspect of it right now, and so that's uh, that's something we're seeing that's that's literally a, a disruptor in the market is the the whole build to rent thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What do you see from the build to rent push? You know that that definitely seems to be uh, very prevalent across many different markets in many different states. Um, how do you see it impacting? what we do most of what we do is is consumer centric we're helping home buyers that plan to live in that property and or someone that's going to have a vacation home or even an investment property um, but if they're purchasing as an investment property and they're an individual or a couple um, that rental property is very different than what you're talking about right with built to rent yeah, and what we're seeing for the build to rent is is primarily the the national public traded home builders, right? So they they have whole divisions now, most of them that are doing build to rent to rent, and so it's almost a a self generated demand, right? Um, but for better or worse, we don't deal with those builders on a on a um, uh, large scale basis because typically they they have their own mortgage company or a, a financial interest in a mortgage company where they benefit from the capture there and they drive with closing costs and prepaid. So so our um, sweet spot as far as builders that we like to work with are your local and regional builders. And we want to help them use financing to sell their homes like the big guys do. And so um, not that we begrudge any business that we get from Lennar or DR Horton, but uh, we know that their first priority is always going to be to drive buyers to their in-house lenders. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, walk me through some of the value proposition that we have for our builder partners um, here at Movement Mortgage. What makes us different? Why would they choose to partner with us? Why go shoulder to shoulder into business with us? Sure, sure. Well, I think we bring a lot to the table and, um, you know, partnering with a lender, again, it's been demonstrated by the, the national builders that there are synergies and um, um, efficiencies 
that are brought on by uh, having a lender partner, right? So uh, I always like to look at the difference between a, a transaction and a relationship. And uh, that's a lot of times when, when builders have loans scattered, you know, across the four winds, whether it's because of whoever the, the selling agent had their customer pre-qualified by beforehand, or they've got a, a cousin or a friend in the mortgage business, you know, anytime we can aggregate more of their loans to one place, um, hopefully that being movement mortgage, um, we give them the ability to manage their backlog and to not be chasing commitment letters and appraisals and scheduling final inspections with, you know, 20 different lenders in, in a given month. You know, we, we can help aggregate that and create those efficiencies and, um, and synergies to, to make their life easier. Um, another thing that we really like to do is become part of their sales team. So when, when they talk to, um, to you on a Monday morning after they've been out and, and, and seen a house over the weekend, and you can say, Oh, you're going to love that builder's product. They put together a great house. They finish their houses on time. They take care of their punch list items. I've done loans for a bunch of your neighbors and you're going to love uh, living near them. We can provide that third party validation and keep them on target to the builder that we are working with, to our preferred builder. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I've always been most excited about as a loan officer that's handling new construction transactions is I feel like I'm quality assurance for the builder. You know, the, the level of expertise, the communication, the guidelines knowledge, the level of vetting that's done up front for the home buyers. You know, I'm somebody that's been gathering every document up front for many, many years. And I take everybody through full underwriting approval. I actually take our file and have it go in front of a human being underwriter as a checks and balance. It's not that I don't have the skill set or the knowledge to issue pre-approvals myself, but I see the value in having the professional that underwrites and compares guidelines to borrower qualifications all day, every day. It's additional conviction for someone like a builder to see that that surgeon, that heart specialist that specializes in underwriting has looked at this client upside down, inside out and said, boom, stamped with approval, they're good to go. And also with these supply chain issues, uh, if there are going to be some delays uh, where the client can't close as quickly, the more time that goes by, the more it introduces that volatility in the economy. Uh, gas prices are a good analogy for mortgage rates. You know, they're up, they're down, they're sideways. They've been kind of all over the place. And the longer it takes for a buyer to get to the finish line, the more likely we are to face a different interest rate environment. The different interest rates have an impact to their debt to income ratio. These are things that I think about and I'm proactive in talking with the client and then passing that feedback on to the builder partner to make sure that everyone is in the know. Are we starting to walk a tight rope on debt to income ratio or are we still well in the clear, nowhere close to being denied our financing? Because in the worst of circumstances, if a client was already at peak debt to income when they first got pre-approval for purchasing that home and now Rates have changed. They didn't go with a long-term lock. They didn't solidify their loan terms. Rates go up. 
And now all of a sudden their debt to income ratio is in excess of those mortgage guidelines. They can't be given that financing. And, and someone essentially made a false promise in the moment at that time up front, they absolutely could see it through to the finish line. But three months later or six months later, it becomes a false promise because the interest rate is maybe twice as much as it once was. Sure. Right. And so yeah. and I have seen that I can, I can differentiate as a service provider, as a partner to a builder, I am really truly an added value partner to them because these proactive conversations, identifying potential hiccups and problem files when it comes to the homes that they have under contract in a subdivision, you know, not many people have the capability to handle the pipeline that way. And I don't think enough of us service providers are providing that proactive communication. They're not acting as a collaborator or a consultant or a strategist. There are just uh, oftentimes, sadly, in the new construction space, especially if you've got somebody that maybe sits site, um, and, and work sun up to sundown at the site. And that's where you do all of your business. It can sometimes be a glorified order taker. You know, it's like, yep. you want, do you need a cheeseburger or a hamburger? Are you looking for an FHA loan or a conventional loan? I don't really have a knowledge beyond the basics and that can end up being a huge disservice to clients. Sure. Yep. And you know, it's, it's, it's all too common a story, right? About a, a lender who tells the builder, oh yeah, is everything looks good. Everything looks good. Knowing, you know, that they've got problems. Whereas when you're a partner, we're going to be addressing it upfront and saying this stack over here, which is a, the largest stack, they are good to go hundred percent. These folks are going to close. Here's some folks that have some work to do and we're going to keep on them and we're going to get the documentation as soon as possible. And then we've got these folks that aren't going to make it. And sometimes a speedy no is the most valuable thing that we can deliver because it keeps them from building a house. That's not going to sell to that person they're building it for. So, um, yep. so again, that's, that's a big part of partnership versus transaction and, um, and something that, that we really have delivered to our builder partners so much. So in fact, that we've got builders that will require every buyer to be pre-qualified by movement mortgage. Uh, even if they're not using us, they want to know that their trusted advisor in the mortgage business has said, yes, these people are good to buy this house, as opposed to some unknown lender who's typed something in a Word doc and, and printed it out. Um, we also have builders who will collect less earnest money when the borrower is using movement mortgage because there is virtually zero chance that deal is going to fall out. Yep. Yep. And if the data proves it to be true, the, the there's a higher statistical likelihood of getting to the finish line when you're working with these folks, you know, it's a, it's an incentive to move those homes. You can bring more buyers into the marketplace. You can ink more contracts if the barriers to entry are lower. And if you're able to confidently go with a lesser earnest money deposit, all because your lender partner is going to perform and the people that get yeses are going to see the finish line. It's a win-win for everybody. Absolutely. Love that. Love that. <laughs> well, take me through some, some builder lender incentives. You know, that's typically a partnership in and of itself. Sure. So tell me, tell me about our incentives. Yep. And, and that's something again, that 
that kind of started with the national uh, publicly traded home builders who own mortgage companies. They can, they can play kind of a shell game where, you know, they're, um, are they making money on the house? Are they making money on the loan? Are they making more here and moving it over there? And it's, it's not always transparent. So we strive to be totally transparent. And uh, what we typically like to do is, is again, partner with our preferred builders and say, look, we're going to contribute something to every borrower who buys one of your houses. And Mr. Builder, we would like you to contribute something as well, um, contingent upon them using us, your preferred mortgage provider. And the synergy, the combination of those two contributions are often compelling enough to drive the business and truly offer them an extra value other than what they would get just going to XYZ lender down the road. Um, and, and we're here to consult with that. You know, we know, and we've seen what works in different markets. Uh, I think a lot of times when you see a, a slowdown in traffic or in contracts being written, the initial uh, response is, oh, we've got to lower our price. When oftentimes that's the worst thing you can do. It doesn't benefit the builder your comps are going to go down. It's going to be harder to get your appraisals um, when you're able to go back to the price that you want to get to. It doesn't really benefit the customer. You know, every thousand dollars you drop a price drops their payment, what, four or five bucks a month. It's, uh, it's not significant. Um, and so that's where we come in as a consultant where we can, you can come to us, Mr. Builder and say, you know, we're seeing traffic slow down. Let's come up with some promotions to help drive traffic. Let's come up with some marketing ideas and we can take the amount that you would typically look at dropping the price and use that to purchase some incentives that get that money back into the buyer's pocket quicker and uh, become a more compelling um, financial situation for them. Love that, I love that. And working as a consultant, um, comes at no costs, right? Like working exactly. with people like yourself. When our builder wins, we win. Absolutely. And when you're playing at a very high level, you're working with a company as reputable as Movement Mortgage, you're working with somebody like Terry, like myself, 15 plus years in residential lending as a loan officer. I know this business inside now. I can do it in my sleep, eyes shut, my hands tied behind my back. And we, if given a seat at the table, we can shed light on a lot of different things, different subject matter, ideas, creativity, drawing from this wide scale business that's done all over the country and then customize it to that small scale or regional builder in, you know, a small corner in the United States. Right. And you, you get to benefit, benefit from the perspective that we have from all over the country and then customizes it, take from what's worked other places and make it your own and then go out and serve the community. And we can provide that guidance, that coaching, that teaching, that, that, uh, uh, mentoring at no cost. It costs nothing. It's, it's look me in the eye, shake my hand and say, let's go do business together. Absolutely. And that's, I know what it's at the core of why you choose to serve the new construction community and why I'm uh, equally as excited about it is mm -hmm. the, the depth of the relationship, uh, the know you like you trust you type of business that gets done in this space is, uh, you know, it, it's our tribe. 
It's our tribe. Absolutely. It's why we love doing what we do, right? Yep. We yep. eat, drink, sleep, and dream builder. That's absolutely right. Um, take me through a few of the financial incentives. The the three that immediately come to mind for me are we can we can get money going towards closing costs and prepaids prepaids being property taxes, homeowners insurance. Uh, we can do a, a temporary buy down, like a two, one buy down is extremely popular right now in the marketplace. Uh, but it is temporary. And then a third one would be a, a permanent buy down. Can you kind of sure. touch on each of these three for me? Yep. And, and I kind of alluded to this before, right? That I tend to, uh, prioritize these based on how quickly we can get the combination of incentive from the, the lender and the builder uh, into the customer's pocket as, as quickly as possible, right? To get them the, the quickest uh, financial benefit. And so uh, those three that you mentioned, um, you actually mentioned them in the order that that gets the money quickest to the buyer, right? So, so the first one would be to pay closing costs and prepaids on their behalf. That saves the borrower dollar for dollar, every amount that we contribute is going to be money they don't have to bring to the closing table. So they get the full benefit of that contribution the day of closing. Um, we've had some builders, especially in the first time home buyer space, where we will sit down, we'll go through uh, the loan estimates and we'll come up with a worst case scenario. And the, the closing costs and prepaids, if they were to close on the, the, you know, the sixth day of the month or whatever the worst day is, if their taxes are maxed out, if they're putting only 5% down, what's the worst case total for closing costs and prepaids? And if we can budget that in to our contribution and between us offer to pay everything, um, we can advertise no closing costs and prepaids, you know, for a typical buyer, that's powerful. You know, a lot of, uh, home, home builders may say, Oh, use our lender and you'll get $2,500 towards closing costs. And, and the borrowers are like, well, great. What are my closing costs? If we can make it absolute, you buy from us and you use movement mortgage, we're going to take care of all your closing costs and prepaids, which means you bring your down payment, less your earnest money to closing period. That's a very compelling offer. Um, and it's not as expensive as you might think. And we'd be happy to sit down with the builder and work it out based on their price points. We'll say, this is the worst case. We're of course, always going to come in below that. And hopefully, you know, a thousand, 2000 below that. But if you've budgeted in the worst case scenario and you can offer something like that, that really very few um, of your competition are able to offer. So uh, again, that's a very compelling way to market a uh, combined lender and builder contribution. Um, the second way that you mentioned is a, a temporary buy-down, which is a reduction in interest rate for the typically the first two years. Uh, we're working on some, some other iterations of this, but right now what we offer is a 2-1 temporary buy-down, which reduces the interest rate 2% in year one, and 1% in year two. Uh, so if our market rate today is what, Jeff? Give me a number. It's probably around five and a half percent. Okay, so day. if we're at five and a half, uh, 30 year fixed today, we can offer the customer 
uh, a three and a half percent rate for the first year, first 12 payments, a four and a half percent rate for the second year, second 12 payments, and then the five and a half percent fixed for the remaining 28 years. Okay. This is great for a customer that is uh, going from a uh, considerably lower house payment for them to kind of ease into what their house payment is going to be. And oh, by the way, we're going to qualify them at the five and a half. We're not going to get them into a, a house that they can't afford, but, yeah. uh, but it does allow them to brag to their friends and family and coworkers that they got a three and a half percent interest rate, right? Some people that's very important too. And yeah. it gets the entire contribution back into their pocket in the first two years. And literally what happens is our contribution and the builder's contribution is put into an escrow account that is used okay. to uh, defray that 2% reduction in interest rate for the first 12 payments and the 1% in the second 12 payments. And so that sum of money is applied towards their payments for the first 24 months. And by the time that 24 months is over, the money's gone. And then they're um, reverting back to their note rate at the, at the five and a half percent. If like we suspect interest rates come back down to us over the next 12 to 18 months, and the customer decides to refinance, those funds are applied towards the payoff of their loan. So those funds are there and would be ultimately returned to them if they paid off within the first two years. So that money, it's not dead money. It's not like money lost. If, if 12 months into their 2-1 buy-down financing, they decide to go through with the refinance because rates have dropped significantly and they want to capitalize on that time in the market where rates have fallen, that 12 months worth of subsidy that is still left and has not gone towards the payments in year two, dollar for dollar, all of that money is going to go towards payoff of the existing loan balance, correct? Exactly. Exactly. It's their money. Love that. Love that. So that's a huge win. I mean, that makes it a win-win for everybody for sure. Yep. And the and cost of that is a third one. The cost of, of that two one buy-down is a little over two two percent of the loan amount. So uh again, bank for the buck is pretty good. Um when you can offer a, a three and a half percent start rate, that's gonna that's gonna get some people's attention. Absolutely. Um, the third option would be for the more conservative buyer, and it's a, a permanent buy-down. And in general, if we were to look at apples and apples and the, the contribution were to come up to 2%, um, you could look at reducing their, um, their interest rate permanently for the entire 30 years of probably between 3 eighths and 5 eighths of a percent. And so depending on what the buy-ups are on any given day in those intervals, um, but it can, it, we can offer a 30-year um, benefit to them. And so the break-even on that versus, so the, the first one, the, the paying closing costs and prepaids dollar for dollar the day of closing. The second one, they get back over a 24-month period. This one, the break-even typically comes out between five and six years. Uh, but the the uh, the the kicker being that once they break even and they've earned back all that money that we as the lender and the builder have contributed, they still continue to have a, that lower payment for the rest of their time in the house up to the full thirty years. That's right. So you if you're going to opt for the permanent buy down, you really need to have conviction that you're going to stay in the house for six mm -hmm. or more years. And not only stay in the house for six or more years, but you're going to keep the original loan for six right. or more years. Because right. without hitting that break-even point, uh, if you do choose to refinance any time between day one and you know 72 months in, 
Yeah, you're you've lost money. that benefit. You're throwing money away that was spent right. on closing costs. You just took the cash and you know shoveled it into the fireplace. Right. And that's why I mentioned that's the most conservative option, right? That's for somebody who thinks this is going to be their forever home and thinks rates are never going to come down again. So um, certainly we do a lot more the first two, but you know, we've been able to bundle these. You know, uh, bundling's a big thing in insurance. We're we're kind of doing it with with mortgage where the builder can say, if you use, if you buy our house and use movement mortgage, you get your choice, right? Do you want all your closing costs and prepaids paid? Or do you want your rate reduced by 2% the first year, 1% second year? Or do you want your rate reduced by half percent for the full 30 years? And that way the borrower can look at those options, can consult with you as the subject matter expert and, and figure out which one works best for their particular financial situation. It's a win-win all the way around. And again, it helps the local and regional guys compete with the national builders. Yep. And people love options, right? Like we want it to be their choice. We want to educate them on the pluses and minuses, the advantages and disadvantages of each of these three options. And then right. ultimately it's up to them. It's your choice. Do you want what's behind door number one, door number two, or door number three? Right. And, and again, one of the, the beauties of how we operate is we're very transparent with it, right? We, we're going to contribute an amount that doesn't require us raising their interest rate. You know, there are lenders out there who say, oh, we'll pay, you know, two points towards whatever. Uh, you don't make that much money on a loan. The margins aren't there. So they're having to increase their interest rates to do that. Whereas we're very transparent. You know, we can always contribute more if the borrower's willing to take a little higher interest rate, or we can take our contribution and buy their rate down even below market rate. So, um, but what we're doing is offering our incentive that we offer as a, um, a discount because of our relationship with the builder. We're making less money on those loans uh, because they're a steady source of referrals for us and in our appreciation of their, of their partnership. We're trying to play the volume game. And the, the promise is that we are going to be doing dozens of loans in this one subdivision. And it's okay that we make less per loan because we'll, we'll make it up in volume. It's almost Absolutely. like the, the partnership with the builder is uh, like doing your shopping at Costco. Mm -hmm. Yep. Right. Good analogy. I like that. I like <laughs> that. Um, Tell me about extended rate locks. I know that, uh, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty in life today. You know, the economy is in question. Uh, the federal funds rate has been getting hikes pretty frequently. We're trying to get this inflation pest under control. Um, gas prices are all over the place. Mortgage rates are all over the place. Um, extended rate lock policy is a really unique uh, thing. And I know it's a competitive advantage for us. We have extended rate locks to offer the consumer public. Uh, it's particularly useful when, when it comes to new construction. Uh, highest and best use of extended rate lock is for new construction homes. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is a way to, to hedge against increases in interest rate, right? It's, uh, it's almost like purchasing an insurance policy. I You're use that analogy sure. all the time. All yeah. the time. So it's, so it's protecting you from, from an increase in rates in the future, right? It's you're right. never going to have a rate higher than this, 
But also, if rates drop significantly, I understand that we have many that include a free float down, and uh, I would like you to shed light on all these details. Sure. So, um, so yeah, the typical mortgage rate lock-in is 60 days. If somebody were to say, what's your rate today? The underlying assumption is you're going to close in 60 days. Um, and obviously, our extended rate locks will do 90 days, 120 days, 180 days, 270 days, or 360 days. So we'll go up to a full year. And uh, the implication being, of course, that it's harder to predict where interest rates are going to be the farther away you are from today, right? Because there's so many different things that can happen. And so what we are doing as a mortgage lender is we are promising to deliver a loan into the secondary market based on today's interest rates. So in order to do that, we need to add to it, right? We need to hedge against um, against rates going the wrong way. And so we typically collect an upfront fee, which is acts like a deposit in most cases. Most cases, they're gonna get it back at closing. And then there's an, an addition to today's 60-day interest rate. And the farther out you go, the more we add to it, right? And to your point, that becomes your cap. That becomes your locked rate. You are locked in. It can't get any worse. Um, so let's say today somebody's looking at 180 day lock, six months, right? So we might collect a half a point up front. We might add a quarter to the interest rate. And these things change from time to time, depending on what the market is, but might add a quarter to the interest rate. So to use your five and a half before, they give us a, a half a point. We add a quarter to the rate. So they're going to be at five and three quarters becomes their worst case scenario. And they can go ahead and budget on that. We're going to get their loan approved based on that. And uh, it can't get worse. It can only get better. And so when, once we get uh, within 60 days of closing, if rates have improved, if the borrower, the borrower will have one opportunity for free on any rate lock of 120 days plus, they will have one free opportunity to float down. And at that float down, we will give them the full drop in interest rate. So if rates have dropped a half a percent since their original drop, uh, original lock, we're going to drop them half a percent. And so it's a win-win for the borrower. You know, they if rates go up, they're covered. Their worst case is locked in. If rates go down, they benefit from that as well. So it's it's a win-win. It covers the uh, the builder um, from a uh, 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 rate increase all of a sudden putting people into a place where they don't qualify. Because one thing I've always noticed is rates trickle down, but they shoot up. And by the time you figure out uh, that rates are going to go up, it's already happened. So, um, so certainly a uh, a good thing for people to do, especially if they are um, uh, in the realm of being close on qualifying. And the other thing too is is that upfront fee. A lot of times that's one of the reasons too that the, the builders will collect less earnest money to free up some cash for that buyer. So they're putting out less earnest money because they're using movement and they know they're going to close if we say they're going to close. And um, um, it frees up some money for that buyer to go ahead and put that deposit down on the extended lock, which also increases the chances that they're going to close and that that um, builder is building that house for that individual not going to end up with a pre-sale turn into a spec. I've always felt that the extended rate lock program is everything to gain and nothing to lose. 
what am I missing? I can't for the life of me understand why more people don't use the extended rate lock program. Yeah, it's it's really a, a no-brainer unless unless you know that rates are going down. If you absolutely know that rates are going down, um, which who does? <laughs> Nobody that I know. Um, that would be the only situation where you, you wouldn't want to lock in on an extended rate lock with a free float down option. And um, so again, yeah, to your point, why would you not do it and risk um, rates taking a turn for the worse? Right, right. Is it fair to say that maybe one of the, the main reasons for uh, the home buyer community not using the extended rate lock policy is that they already had to scrape together the earnest money deposit and they would also like to keep uh, emergency reserves in their checking savings account uh, for you know a rainy day and they just don't want to part ways with additional deposit um, that comes with the extended rate lock policy. Is that what? Yeah. And you know, that actually takes us back to our, um, insurance analogy that you brought up, right? Uh, if we want to save the premium and not don't pay our insurance and we don't get in a car accident or don't have some cataclysmic medical event, then yeah, you've saved a little bit of money. But if you do have a car accident or you do have a, a, a serious medical event, um, you're going to be coming out of pocket a whole lot more than what you would have paid for that premium. And that's why we all have insurance. And so um, really, it, it's, it's a very safe investment. Um, if their loan is turned down for whatever reason, they get their, um, their deposit is refunded. Um, the only time they would lose it is if they just walk away from the deal for no reason, um, or if they, for whatever reason, choose to go with another lender. Those are the only two, two scenarios under which they would lose that upfront deposit. Right. And it's only fair with an extended rate lock policy that that good faith gesture, the deposit of funds um, is there to protect us because we're committing a, a sizable amount of money to them and reserving today's rates essentially for a future closing. There's yep. risk involved there and we need that deposit in order to ensure we're going to see the finish line with that particular client in, in order right. to know that we're going to close a loan that brings revenue to our organization as a mortgage company. Our only source of revenue is gain on sale, uh, closing these loans and selling them to the respective investor. And so, you know, there is no revenue. There is no payday for our organization until they right. have closed on that house. Right. Yep. And, and as I mentioned earlier, we are promising when we make that commitment, we're promising to deliver a loan into the secondary market. And if we don't, uh, there's a penalty we have to pay. And that's essentially, if we simplify it, that's where that money would go <laughs> uh, is to pay that penalty that we would be assessed for not delivering their loan into the secondary market. So we're making a good faith commitment um, to deliver, to, to hold that rate for them. And, um, you know, we just ask for, for that deposit at the, at the time we make that commitment. Tell me about appraisal panels. I know that we do some unique things to serve our builder partners, to serve the home buyer community that are looking to uh, secure a home in a community that we are 
partners in. Um, talk to me about our appraisal panel process. Sure. Yeah. And, and appraisals are very interesting, uh, uh, subject, right? I mean, not many people probably know that, that you or I as, uh, uh, employees of the mortgage company that are compensated based on a loan closing, we can't even speak to an appraiser because, uh, they don't want the appearance that we could somehow influence the value. Right. So we can't, we can't even talk to an appraiser. Um, but what we can do for our preferred builder partners is look at the possibility of a appraisal panel where we can set up typically three appraisers that would rotate and do uh, the appraisals on every um, house that that home builder sells. And the advantages are substantial uh, for everybody. So first of all, those, um, those appraisers become very familiar with the builder's contracts, right? So they know where all the upgrades are hidden in those 150 page documents. They know what the final sales price is so that they don't make a mistake and appraise it based on the, the base price. Um, so they're going to know how to read that, that contract. They're going to build up a collection of comparable sales for that builder. And so they're going to have all the details. They're going to be familiar with the plans. They're not going to have to measure the square foot square footage on every single house. Um, and so they are going to be able to turn those appraisals quicker. So we'll be, we'll be getting better service. We'll be getting them faster. And if there's a problem, since they are getting a good majority of their business from one particular source, they're not just going to turn in a low appraisal without first going back to the onsite agent, to the builder and saying, I'm having trouble with this value help me with this. Are there some upgrades I'm not aware of? Uh, is there a lot premium here? Um, you know, are there some other comps that maybe have not shown up on MLS that I can use? So, um, it, it really benefits everybody in, in creating again, those efficiencies, um, that, that come with working with the same team time and time again. Absolutely. Well, we're coming up on our, uh, on the end of our conversation here. And in conclusion, you know, leave us with some parting thoughts. Um, how, how should people reach out to us? How can they get in touch with us? Um, and yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Well, I am always open to talking to builders. Uh, as, as Jeff mentioned, I'm on the road a good bit and, uh, um, the uh, email is usually the best way to reach me. I'm constantly checking my emails. Um, and so it's uh, terry.barrett at movement.com is my email. If you're a builder or you're, um, well, if you're a builder, <laughs> reach out to me and uh, I would be happy to talk with you about your strategy, about marketing techniques, about how we can add value to you. That is really what we're here to do is add value to you as our builder partner and to your buyers so that they get the best financing for their needs and that we can increase your sales um, to the highest point possible. Yeah. And if you're trying to get a hold of me, you know, depending on the platform that you're seeing this video, you can send me a direct message. I will also got on my way to put Terry's email address and my email address into the comments below. So you can look for our email addresses there. We would love an opportunity to speak with you, see what your needs are and how we can benefit you. It's gotta be a win-win. And, uh, you know, if it's not, we're not going to do it. So Terry and I are straight shooters would love an opportunity to earn your trust and earn your business. And uh, I hope you guys got a ton of value from watching this today. Terry, thank you so much for joining me and look forward to doing this again. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate the invite. I hope you have a great rest of your day.